All right, y'all, we back again. Back again. Should know what time it is by now, I hope. I would hope. I've been telling y'all what time it is every Sunday for the last uh, five weeks. And for those who don't know what time it is, I'm sure there are still a bunch of y'all who don't know. Shout out to everyone who does know. It's time for the Footy Misfits. We back again. Uh, I am your host, LV. LV Bale, that's my last name. I thought I should mention for the first time. LV Bale, at it again. Uh, with my good esteemed brother, uh, Ronnie, on the check-in. Ronnie, say what's good. Yeah. With that being said, I do have a little song for y'all. <laughs> it just goes, it goes, uh, glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur. That's all y'all get for free, but you know. Uh, you know, it's been an interesting week, transfer-wise. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, um, you know, we saw a few movements here and there in, in the Premier League, especially. Uh, and around uh, Europe, of course, had some games. Week two in the Prem, week one in Italy, week two in Spain. And I want to say week two in Germany as well, because they had the DFB. Was it week one? Yeah, that, um, that was the German Cup. This was the Bundesliga starting this week. This time does not fly, because I thought I saw, I saw the DFB. Uh, Hold up. 7-0, yeah, yeah, 7-0. That was last week? I thought it was two weeks ago. That was last week. Time flies when Gareth Bale's on your team. You feel me? So, <laughs> I don't even know anymore. You know, a week was so long ago, you know? But uh, I guess first things first, as we always do, we can start at, uh, what'd you catch this weekend? You know, what, good footy, anything notable that you'd like to mention or anything of the sort? The first match I can remember seeing was a League Cup match between Everton and Salford City, a.k.a. Class of 94, 92 FC. <laughs> Everton had that. The yep. second half was a lot more convincing. Sigurdsson scored. And um, real quick, not to bring the mood down, but thoughts to him. He had a brother that was killed. Prayers up to Guilty. That's crazy. Former Spurs guy. Got nothing but love for him. Thoughts to him and his fam. Other matches that I saw. I did listen to the Spurs match against Plodiv. Yeah, that was probably the only way you could ever catch it. I mean, they played that in the back streets of Bulgaria, you know, so. <laughs> Literally, and, like, the guys who were on the radio call, they were like, yeah, um, the television feed is all messed up. Yeah, I think it got messed up at a certain point. I think I caught the highlights of that game. Cause I, I was keeping up with it on, uh, on you know, the sports apps and what have you. But I think I caught the actual full highlights. I think it was two or three days later. So, you know, that just tells you uh, that that game was nowhere to be found. And imagine how Spurs lost that game. Well, the goals came late. Very late. They came fast and very late. Um, from the 70th minute on, I think, uh, Plug D scored. A very nice little set-piece corner kick. You know, had me shit in my pants. Uh, I, I, I could see the tweets in my head already. With Mourinho out hashtags. You know, the Arsenal fans laughing. Or as they say, you know, go fine and doing all that. But luckily, you know, things turned around. I also didn't catch that in the highlights. Things did turn around. Uh, obviously, the main man, Harry Kane, <laughs> or as I was reading uh, online, I can't even take credit for this. They called him Kane Iesta. Uh, <laughs> they called him uh, Kane the Brown. <laughs> Kane Rhea Pirlo. <laughs> you know. I think that's kind of dragging it. We can't, we can't be comparing this man, Andrea Pirlo. Uh, after, after this weekend, hey, listen, man, I haven't seen. Well, I mean, we'll get to the, the Southampton Spurs match. At a later date. Um, yeah, he uh, came through with a clutch penalty off of, I think, a clear and obvious uh, 
a clear and obvious handball. It was it's reminiscent to the Luis Suarez handball in the World Cup 2010 where he volleyball spiked it out of the goal against Ghana. Sort of like that. So, I mean, a blind man could have called that one. With respect to the blind, shout out to my blind, my blind folks. But, yeah, off a penalty, Kane scored it, roof of the net. Nobody on earth could have probably, probably saved it, tied it up 1-1 late. I think that was the 81st or 82nd minute. And the most hated, most underrated uh, Tangi and Dombele, after coming on as a sub and pretty much changing the t- texture of the game. Uh, yeah, he did. Created a very nice team goal uh, late in the game and scored it. A nice little tap in uh, to take the W. And that was super late. I think the 87th minute, 88, even, even 88, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, they were cutting it close. Yeah, Spurs came away with a 2-1 win late in Plovdiv, a.k.a. the back streets of Bulgaria. Anything else you, you might have saw throughout the week and weekend? The Bundesliga kicked off, my friend. And what a way it kicked off with Bayern Munich washing Schalke 8 nothing. There's a the thing about scoring eight goals that Bayern just likes. Yeah, you know, and, and I think they just like that number. Or they just like any number after six. Because two or three doesn't help for them anymore. You know, it seems like they're playing, like, they're playing the other football. It's like they're playing in the NFL, scoring a quick little touchdown rather than playing soccer. Cause touchdown, go for two points. <laughs> you know, and they what I like about them is that they don't discriminate. Anybody can get it. Barcelona or Schalke, we don't care what your name is. You know, we might put seven or eight past you just because that's what we do. So, yeah, they, they look great. I've been looking incredible. Sevilla is next on the Bayern docket. I also got to see Dortmund and Mönchengladbach, which was all Dortmund. And it was thanks to their youngins, Gio Reyna. Yeah, good American. Good American. Um, found that goal via Jude Bellingham. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He provided the assist. And then Sancho and Haaland, that is a partnership that was amazing to see against Mönchengladbach. Um, it was Reyna who went down in the box. Sancho was going to take the penalty, but Haaland wanted to take it like an <laughs> our robot. Um, but that robot found the back of the net. Twice, and then the third goal off a counterattack. Sancho finding Haaland, three nothing final. Borussia beats Borussia. Um, Dortmund are going to be a fun team to watch this season. I really hope they cut it close with Bayern, but the way Bayern have been playing, they're not going to. They're not letting up Bayern. Yeah, uh, they might not lose this season unless they catch a shock five one whipping by uh, Frankfurt or something of the sort. But yeah, I, I guess you could say the best Borussia won. Yes, the better Borussia did win. Uh, you know, shout out to the, the boys in yellow who look pretty decent, I think. Um, and I'm excited to see them in Europe, at least, because yes. I don't think there's much of a competition in the Bundesliga. As we said before, Bayern Munich is on, as they say, that bullshit. Looking great, even though they just got rid of Thiago. They did, but in a way, you could say they don't miss them because yeah. they put eight on Schalke. But in a way, I fear that that might catch up to them at some point in the season. Yeah, if, I mean, if an injury happens or something of the sort, maybe that might cause them a bit of trouble. Right. But as long as uh, Goretzka is still benching 700 pounds, it looks like his muscles will take a lot to rip or tear or shred. And I don't think you're getting to any bone because that guy's built like a, a bull, man. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, Bayern look great. Yes, sir. Serie A, I did get to see the opener, the opening weekend of Serie A. I saw a little bit of Fiorentina and Torino. Um, it was after they had scored, though, so it was pretty much Fiorentina trying to hold on to the lead. After that game came Verona versus Roma, which was a scoreless dud. Mm. But 
Andrea Pirlo got his first one as a manager for Juventus <laughs> against Sampdoria. Three nothing. Kolarzewski, Ronaldo, and Bonucci scored. I'm happy. Yeah, Juventus are off to a good start. I was uh, waiting for you to pop off like you did there for that one. On a more serious note, big uh, you know, hats off to the uh, Regista genius, the uh, midfield uh, maestro, Andrea Pirlo, in his first coaching experience for the old lady. Took care of business. A bit, you know, easy 3-0 win. Got to boost some confidence for the man. Uh, I wanted to ask you, how do you feel he will fare this season in Italy? Honest opinion. How do you think he'll do as a coach, and how do you think he'll fare? I think we spoke about this when we previewed Serie A. Um, I think he would fare pretty good in Serie A. Um, there will be games where it will be a challenge. Today they played Sampdoria, which, as good as they can be, it's Sampdoria. Mm-hmm. But wait around until you get those opponents. Like last season, I gave them a hard time. Inter, Lazio. And then you have other teams like Roma, Napoli. Juventus also lost games they shouldn't have last season. Yeah. One that comes to mind was a loss to Udinese. Mm-hmm. They got to watch who they play. Definitely respect the opponent. But they should win Serie A. At what level of ease, I'm not sure. Because last season, they only won it by a point. Yeah. Um, I think as far as the quarantine restart as well, they kind of, I mean, they, of course, they won the Scudetto for the umpteenth time. Facts. But I think they left it a bit late, if I'm not mistaken. You know, um, could've... Yeah, they could have won it. A lot sooner than they did, but they were just trending downward. Gave Lazio and uh, a, bit, a bit of uh, hope. Took some L's that they shouldn't have took. Uh, I think everybody in the restart took an L to Atalanta somewhere or another. They also lost to AC Milan, who made a quick uh, burst of form, I think. Yes, they, right after the restart, I think it was. Yeah, and I think uh, AC Milan. I mean, AC Milan was kind of coming into, like I said, a bit of form and beat a few of the bigger, of the big top four guys. Um, late in the season, but ultimately, I mean, that's probably what led to the sacking of uh, Mr. Nicotine himself, aka, <laughs> aka uh, Sari, um, Mauricio Sari. Team but, uh, all the way black. Yeah, oh man. <laughs> we talk about Firmino's teeth white as fuck. His shit's all the way black. And it's crazy because now that he's on Juventus or was on Juventus, uh, he would sometimes wear like the uh, uh, their warm up shirts and he would look like a cigarette. You know, and so that that was funny to me as well. But yeah, I, I think I got high hopes for us, Pirlo. I think even though he's bringing in some older fellows uh, into the game, he seems to know what he's doing in terms of the type of players he's bringing in, and he's not afraid to let go of some folks. Uh, for example, uh, Gonzalo, Lard, Iguain, aka the uh, aka Chubby Checker, aka Have you been to finger licking yet? I thought Did you call him Lard. Yeah, that's in Lard Iguain, a.k.a. Chubby Checker. I thought that Luis Suarez would be the first man headed to Inter Miami uh, to get his finger licking on, but looks like Iguain beat him to the punch. <laughs> he might be with he might be with, uh, with Khaled right now. So, uh, But I say that to say that I don't think that Iguain necessarily had a, a place on that squad anymore. Um, no, I don't think so. So he's making the right decisions in that in that sense. Uh, I know folks have been saying that he's been signing a bunch of old players, but I got trust in the old man. I mean, you know, I, I, you gotta you gotta assume that he knows what he's doing. Um, so we'll see. So yes, I think Juventus would be faring pretty good in Italy. However, when it comes to European competition, that's where um, the truth lies. I hope 
they go far in Champions League. This season was this past season rather it was not the way you wanted to go out against Leon. Again, we'll see. I hope they do well. That was Syria uh, for me I mean, this week that just passed. What did you catch in footy? So I'll start with the games that I caught off of uh, just looking on the feed and kind of seeing the score and news before I get into the ones that I actually watched. Because I, I did watch, I would say, quite a bit of football this weekend. Spent my time on my ass in my room trying to stream Peacock instead of NBC Sports, which we'll get, we'll get to. We'll get to. Oh. You know, I got to hold my horses and so do you for a second. But we'll, we'll, we'll sound off on them, even though I'm using a free try at the moment. <laughs> uh, for starters, the, uh, I watched, I mean, I, I caught a bit of news in regards to PSG playing today. I think they played uh, earlier this afternoon. They did. Uh, they won, too. Caught that on the feed. Mbappe has scored. Uh, Angel Di Maria also scored, and uh, I think the game finished with Marquinhos in the 66 minute taking care of business. I did catch some news in regards to that game. PSG coming fresh off of that entire mess of a match against Marseille. I did hear some alleged rumors. Apparently, they're attempting to open talks with Spurs uh, in regards to maybe signing uh, Dele Ali. I heard those same news as well. Yeah, I caught, caught that game. I caught a tiny. The Bundesliga action, nothing too crazy. I saw a little bit of, of Bayer Leverkusen, aka Bayer Leverhussy, because you know, that's your, uh, a club that I'm claiming at the moment. I don't know for now, fans. I mean, I'm a Spurs guy through and through, but I'd like to see a good Leverkusen take a W here and there. Yeah, you um, like to see clubs who suffer. Yeah, you know, I, the, like, like, you know, if you haven't, <laughs> judged, um, if you haven't noticed by my t- uh, my tone, that I like teams who uh, suffer. Have a bit of character, but mostly suffer. And um, nil-nil draw. I didn't finish the entire match. I just caught, caught sort of the end of it. Um, but it seemed like nothing much was going on. Leverkusen lacking a bit of killer instinct in front of goal for a few reasons, obviously. Got rid of their main man, Kai Havertz, um, earlier on in the month. As far as uh, Serie A goes, I saw some... News highlights, the Fiorentina game came up on my feet a couple times, so I was paying a bit of close attention to that. Uh, and then some of Roma playing, just for the fact that they did sign a few new guys. Um, I know they signed Pedro quite recently. They did. And so, you know, just wanted to kind of see what they were about. So, yeah, I, I saw a bit of those. They also ended in a nil-nil draw. So every game that I sort of touched this weekend, um, aside from the Premier League, uh, ended in a nil-nil draw. There was just a game that I, I forgot that um, I saw. It was just, you know, the Mexican Clasico, but it was just one nothing Club America, Giovanni Dos Santos scoring. Former Spurs man, um, but um, and I think he wore the number seven for Spurs, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on that. You know what, I'm going to look at that right now just to see how much I remember. All right. I digress. Can't find him. I'll do a quick search. 17. Okay, 17, close enough. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember because Giovanni Dos Santos and Spurs was a failed project, but yeah, again, yeah, I digress. It was, yeah, exactly. But um, I did watch in the Premier League, a started out with a seven-goal thriller. Leeds United, they just can't get out of those, you know. Every game they played in the Prem so far, I mean, it's only been two, but gotta be got to be seven goals. It's fun to watch. They're not showing up. And, and I got to say, this game was absolutely fun to watch. 
Leeds versus Fulham. Leeds looked like they were in control of the entire game. Went up uh, 3-1 very quickly uh, before going up 4-1. It seemed to, like I said, off, uh, off mic that the game went from a competitive, uh, newly promoted side game to uh, uh, an abusive game very quickly. Leeds had to fire on Fulham's ass very early. Came for the kill, scoring goals in quick succession. Leeds came in not playing no games with Fulham. And from there, I almost changed the channel. My dumbass. I almost changed the channel. <laughs> but something held me back. And sure enough, it paid off. Because before you know it, Fulham scored one. And then another. And before I knew it, it was 4-3. It was seven goals again. And I'm like, Leeds might give this one up. I saw uh, Bielsa on the, uh, the touchline doing his infamous squat. I don't th- he's like stuck in a squad for 90 minutes. Somebody should check on his hip flexors because <laughs> that can't be good for a guy of his age. Um, stuck in a squat, Bielsa looking stressed as hell, uh, leads unraveling from the control that they had early on in the game. Fulham looking like they wanted it more. Goes from Mitrovic, I think. Um, ultimately leads, however, ended up on the better side of a 4-3 game this time around. After losing 4-3 to Liverpool last week, they took the W, got their first Premier League win since April 2004 against Blackburn. So they're back. Leeds fans can go ahead and celebrate that one. It was a hell of a game, a thriller. It looks like they, they can't not play a thriller. I mean, even earlier in the week, I caught news of the uh, EFL Cup game that they played, which they fielded in enti- uh, a whole new 11. Tells you where their um, priorities lie. And you guessed it. It's the Premier League. So... What a time to be a Leeds fan. That was one of the main games that I caught uh, this weekend. Um, I caught uh, Arsenal versus West Ham, a competitive match at first, and ended up being you know a game in which Arsenal uh, overpowered the Hammers and took the dub. Arsenal looked decent, uh, you know, fair play to them. They look all right. Mikel Arteta looks like he's got Obama Yang up and running. Lacazette also looks good. Um, I got to say that the, I think we mentioned it earlier on in this, before we started the season about our predictions. Saka on Arsenal, hell of a player. I mean, he basically dimed Ceballos to set up the second goal. I mean, he just is a young starlet to me. I think he's going to have a lot of assists this season. He looks great. It was fun watching him play. Um, and so uh, West Ham, on the other hand, don't look as bad as they did last season where they finished just outside of the relegation zone. Um, they look all right. They were threatening Arsenal's goal. A lot of strength and power, a lot of headers. They were doing their thing, but ended up taking the L. I talked to them. And Arsenal, go ahead. They're two, from, two for two. And I feel like I'm going on a Premier League tirade. So clearly, you know where I'm, you know what I'm watching. You know what network I'm on, clearly. Also caught a bit of the Manchester United game versus Crystal Palace, which was embarrassing for Man United, to say the least. Crystal Palace came through in the red and blue and busted Man United's ass. Old Gunnar Schoesgaard still smiling. I don't know what you're smiling about. God damn. It's a hell of a game. A, a bit of drama there, a VAR drama, which we'll get to later. But David De Gea, you know, going through it. 3-1 to Crystal Palace. Donny Van Der Beek got his first start, a kid that I was very excited about. Mad that he's at United. Happy he's in the Prem. Uh, got, a, got a goal in his debut. Yep. Seems the Dutch boys, when they come to the Prem, I'm thinking of Steven Bergwijn, uh, also got a goal in his debut. 
Seems like the Dutch boys are adjusting pretty well to Premier League life. Ogun Schoesgaard, however, seems to be going through it slightly. But the main event I should mention was my Spurs against Southampton, which I got to tell you, got up at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Something I wasn't going to do. On a Sunday, eye boogers in my eyes. Glass is nowhere to be found. I couldn't even see. I had to watch it from my phone, right in my face. Kind of like Velma from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Caught the game, and I got to say, from the first 45 minutes, it was a disaster. Southampton was clearly the better team. Came to press, passed with purpose. Kyle Walker-Peters, former Spurs man, just got shipped off to Southampton. Dimed a beautiful through ball to Danny Ings, who just can't stop scoring him. Beautiful through ball, pinpoint pass. I thought it was Mezzadozo for a second. <laughs> I said, that's not Kyle Walker-Peters, is it? You know, a guy who I've seen on my team who's supposed to be up and coming, an up and coming right back, a kid who I saw get burnt by Usman Dembele in the Champions League a few seasons back. <laughs> I was like, please, somebody, for the love of God, get him out of here. Saw him dime a beautiful pass to Danny Ings. Southampton went up 1-0 early in, uh, mid in the, midway through the first half, and it looked like it was going to be a, a long day for Jose Mourinho. But somehow, someway, Tangi Ndombele, who got his start in the Premier League, I got to say it's his first start in the Prem for quite some time. Defensively on the ball, looking very shaky, in my opinion. Even off the ball, not pressing. Guy can, looks like he can't press a shirt, like I said, or a panini sandwich, for that matter. Very slow off the ball. Doesn't look like a guy you'd like to be you know, running with because he probably won't make it too far. But <laughs> somehow, some way, caught the ball late in the first half, spun off two defenders, bounced one off like Ray Rice, kind of gave him a little hit stick, bounced off a defender and looked up, tossed a through ball to Harry Kane, who one touched another ball to Hung Min Sun to make it 1-1 before the half. Before I go on too long, I should just mention that the real highlight of the game was that Spurs ended up winning 5-2 off of uh, four goals from Hungman Sun, one from Kane. The magic part about it was that Kane assisted every goal that he didn't score or assist. And he was, like I said, looking That's like the Kane Iesta, you know, Kane Odinho. <laughs> I saw somebody say, I don't know, just some names that they're throwing out there. I'm not saying them. That's just what they're saying. Looking incredible, doing one-time through balls. Some, some through balls he wasn't even looking, just timing Sun's run. It looked like they had a sort of Bluetooth connection. He was airdropping passes to him. I don't know how you do that. But they had something going on, clearly, and it, it was working. Kane assisting everything, uh, making Southampton look like shit, I should say. And Kyle Walker-Peters, who looked great off that dime, afterwards looked like some garbage. The game ultimately ended with a garbage time penalty off a of VAR that was pretty, um, I would say, controversial, which we will get to later. Danny Ings buried two goals, so two goals for him on the stat sheet. But a 5-2 win from Spurs, a happy Jose Mourinho, I should say. Uh, and uh, a son is now up there for the leading scorer. So that was, uh, I guess, most of what I saw today in the plan. So let's make later now then. VAR is something that kind of overshadowed the week of the Prem. Whether it be David De Gea stepping off his line against Crystal Palace, fouls in the box at the Emirates, or Hummond's son being offside, providing a Harry Kane goal that was nullified and a penalty late in the box at Southampton. You have a lot to say about this. I'll keep my comments short. I think VAR in England is not 
Like they're not doing it right. Call it I remember. Call it what it is. Yeah, it, 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 you're right. It's it's garbage. It's rubbish. It's all that. It's debris. <laughs> it looks like the refs on the field aren't making the decisions for themselves. The, what I understand the point of VAR being is you have a set of eyes in the booth. If they see something that might signal, hey man, you want to, you might want to take a look at this, then he'll message the ref. The ref will go over to a monitor. He'll look at it, and then they converse. But ultimately, it's the main referee who's out there on the field making the final call. Absolutely. Last season, referees didn't even bother going to the monitor. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't even know there was a monitor on the pitch. <laughs> like, you know? see, like it's usually by the benches and the dugouts and stuff. But like, the refs rarely ever go there. I've only seen it happen once last season in an Arsenal game. I think they were playing Leicester. That was the only time I saw it happen in the prem. Everything else is like, oh, word? All right, I'm going to listen to what you said. Card. Again, how, my interpretation of how VAR is supposed to work is how it should be done. And the fact that in some cases it's not pretty goddamn trash, I'll let you go and say what you got to say because I know. It doesn't affect you personally today, but it might next week. It might the week after. Yeah. I'm going to try not to sound off on this or just go on a little tangent. The thing with VAR is, I think VAR in theory makes sense, I guess. Improve the game, less mistakes. I get it. Even though it does kind of take away from the human aspect of it. it, it and me being somebody who's, as a Spurs fan, benefited from VAR a few times, huh. you know, mainly uh, against you know Manchester City in the Champions League, probably the biggest moment. And again, that the following season when we played them again. However, the issue with VAR, like I say, is I agree with you in terms of when you take away the power from the referee to make a decision as a referee, then then he's no longer a referee. You know, he's just kind of there getting some exercise on the pitch with some folks, chasing around a bunch of athletes. You know, calling fake yellow cards here and there, and you know, little baby fouls. And even then, for example, today, I mean, in the Spurs game. Southampton was awarded a late penalty in the box off of a handball, which was an in- inadvertent and accidental one. To me, it didn't seem anything like a handball, uh, which gave right. uh, innings a second goal. Um, and even more serious, the Liverpool-Chelsea game, Andres Christensen, Chelsea went down a man early with a yellow card that was overturned into a red card after some deliberation. Now, I didn't watch that part of the game. Now, whether or not the refs deliberated and the ref ultimately made the decision, I'm not sure, but it seems to me that this taking away the power of the ref kind of ruins the purpose of a VAR and also kind of takes away the, the purpose of an actual referee. And I don't understand, even last season when they came out, why they didn't just follow the lead of sports that have had a video replay for years and have used challenges and replays as a means to make their sport more correct and have done it in a very good job. The, the best sport to do that, I would say, is tennis. Yeah, tennis has the probably the best uh, replay system. Like that Hawkeye stuff, and then you literally see the pinpoint of where the ball lands. Right, to the millimeter, and, and you know, sort of like the goal line technology type stuff. Like, um, obviously, I can understand how a football pitch is too big, but even today, with today's technology, you never know. But right. just the fact that you could look to any sport, you know, the NBA, who implemented it very recently, if not for the fact that people hate the idea that it slows the game down, it takes care of business and allows the referee to make a call. And so I'm not sure where, 
I, I figured after last season's drama every week, you know, the first talking point of a, of a fixture or a match wasn't even the final scoreline. It was always, it was VAR would be the main headline or the main point of the match. And this is throughout multiple leagues, throughout, mainly in England. So, yeah, yeah, England is pretty much where VAR is having a bad rep. Yeah. Because in other countries, VAR is exceptional mm-hmm. or even good. I know Germany VAR most times is flawless. Sometimes it'll take a couple minutes longer than it should, but as long as we're getting the call right, boom, that's good. Right. Serie A, same thing. La Liga, they had some challenges towards the end of last season, but it's always the Premier League when it comes to these VAR headlines that's just like, oh. Yeah, and it's like at, at a certain point, you have to just step back and think. If there, week in, week out, we have an issue with VAR, and it takes away from the scoreline of a game or how good a game might have been, just takes away from the on-pitch action, then you would think common sense would dictate, like, all right, let's just take a step back and take a look at this. Maybe it's something wrong with this shit. Maybe we should do something about this shit. And it doesn't seem like that conversation was had. I understand there was a quarantine. But even then, I mean, I just it just doesn't seem to me that there was a conversation that was had about addressing VAR and fixing it to take away the drama that it brings into the game. Not even positive drama, a little bit of negative drama for the most part. For an ex- example, the Man United Crystal Palace game, a good win by Crystal Palace. There was a penalty call on uh, David De Gea late in the game. It wasn't a penalty call, but it was during the first penalty, which Crystal Palace was awarded. They said he stepped off of his lines, and they re- and he also saved that penalty in which they said he stepped off of his lines. And then reawarded a second penalty, which ultimately Crystal Palace buried and kind of put the game to bed at that point. And it seems after looking at it and from reading a bunch of reports and just kind of seeing what people have to say about it, and just also seeing what just myself looking at it, it didn't seem like, you know, he, he had his foot on the line at a certain point, and, you know, and it didn't seem like it was, in fact, the correct call. So the issue is when you have VAR, you know, and it's there to correct calls, make the correct calls when you don't make the correct call right like you spent all that time deliberating and still don't get it right yeah right i just say that to say you know a premier league uh fix it somewhere or another but that's all i got to say you know uh in the words yeah man of, they got they definitely got to fix the var in the prem in the words of jose Mourinho, who i've quoted too many times in the last year and a half he says the uh, when the video assistant referee makes the decision, he's not the assistant referee. He is the video referee. Right. You should just video referee. And so, you know. The letter A is important in that acronym. You're yeah. assessing the referee on the field in the call. You're not making the call for him. But, again, I hope the Premier yeah. League gets it right. Because, again, it seems like the Premier League is always at the center of any VAR controversies. What it's meant for in, uh, in principle is how it should be followed. If there's a foul, like the one at the Chelsea-Liverpool game, they got to get it right, like you said. But speaking of Chelsea-Liverpool, um, did see that as well. How did I see that? I'm not sharing secrets. But, <laughs> but yes, um, Liverpool, after that red card, that red card came in stoppage time of the first half. Second half, they came guns blazing. Before they even scored, they subbed off Jordan Henderson for Thiago Alcantara, which definitely changed the game for Liverpool. Mm. 
they what did they say? Uh, Jordan Henderson had a a stiff right leg or something like that. I've never heard. <laughs> oh, he had an injury. That. That's why he was pulled out. Yeah, they said he pulled him out for a, the injury that they reported was a stiff leg or something like that. <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought this was tactical. Oh, yeah, they said it was an injury. They said he had a stiff leg or some of this. I'm like, a stiff leg. All right. Hey, man, Jordan Henderson is coming apart at the seams. He's been getting injured far yeah. often nowadays. He's known to have a stiff leg <laughs> here and there. But Thiago, pretty much, he, he played a role in Liverpool's first goal, if I remember correctly, which was a beautiful shot by Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane doubled up with the second goal later on. Liverpool were just hands down the far better team in the second half. Chelsea, they were decent in the first half, but it just, like when that red card came and everything, everyone was just dejected. Yeah. Kepa, oh. What do you think about, what do you make of uh, Frank Lampard basically ba- backing him after every question and saying, Kepa's our guy, we stand behind Kepa, and he makes mistake after mistake in Frank Lampard's face. And Frank continues to do that. Do you think that's tactics? Do you think that's politics? What do you what do you make of that? Yeah, I'm gonna call BS on that. Um, we know what Frank Lampard. We know how he feels about Kepa Ahrizabalaga Balenciaga. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't fuck with him. He never did. Like it's clear and obvious. He says that because yeah, it's a little bit of politicking. Yeah, I'm gonna say what I can. But I do want him out of here. They want that Mendy keeper from Nice. Yep. And it looks like he's coming through within the next couple of days or so. Days even, yeah. Allegedly, it's completed. They've agreed terms and all that, yada, yada, yada. And if I'm kept it, I'm, <laughs> I'm watching the news. <laughs> and I'm seeing Chelsea do this and that in the third. You know, or even in the dressing room, and I'm hearing whispers of that. And I hear the boss saying, oh, no, you know, stand behind Kepa. And then I go ahead and make some bonehead mistake. I've got to, you know, I'm shaking in my boots. That's two boneheaded mistakes in two league games, though. Yeah, it cost them, you know, I mean, against Liverpool, you can't make any mistakes. They got away with it against Brighton. Yeah, can't go down a man against Liverpool, then fuck up. And the Kappa is, he's still getting the back no matter what, which is the crazy part of this whole scenario. He is getting paid, regardless of what ends up happening. He's going to, He's gonna be the goalkeeper. He's gonna be the goalkeeper, Gareth Bill. Like we see Gareth Bill just sitting there, just lounging at Real Madrid. I I feel like he'll be like that for Chelsea. I don't know, but we shall see. But this allows me to segue into Bale and all these signings that we saw this week. That might have been the biggest one of these past couple of days. You are happy. As you said, so you are Mr. L.V. Bale. L.V. Bale today. L.V. Bale. B-A-L-E. Say his name. <laughs> so your middle name is Sergio, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's L.V. Sergio. You know, I learned how to say it today. I, I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm not a Spanish speaker, but you know, I, I put some respect on somebody's name. That was flawless. That was flawless. Say it one more time. I, I watched the, I got you, hold on. I, I watched the, you know, you know I, I watched videos. I learned a little bit of seeing where he's coming from, you know, the Spanish region, he's Catalan, and, you know, I, I learned how he says it and what he, you know, so, you know, my main man, you know, Sergio Regilón, so, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I learned how to, you know, I learned, so, you know, I put some respect on his name, so, 
today, you know, LV Sergio Regilon Bell. <laughs> That's where we at today. Made two big transfers. We'll start with we'll start with the young boy Regilon, which I did a lot of um as the English or the British call him, Regulon. Sergio Regulon. Um Anglicized the shit out of his name. Yeah, you know, Anglo Saxon is it. And Sergio Regulon. Um <laughs> A very impressive uh, pickup from Spurs, a, a good talent. Europa 20, League winner. 27 with mil, yeah, just came off a cup uh, of the Europa League. Was voted, I didn't know, was voted the best left back in uh, La Liga last season. So, you know, that's right news, very good news to see that, you know, Spurs even go for something like that. Very young prospect, you know, uh, sort of like a left wing back, uh, blazing speed, like fast dude. I read that, and I'm not sure if this is more of a knock towards Ben Davies or props for uh, to Sergio, Sergio, I should say. Um, but I read that he completed uh, 49 uh, dribbles last season. Uh, and to put that into perspective, Ben Davies has had 44 completed dribbles in his entire career at Spurs. So, you know, this guy doing what Ben, Dav- what ben Davies has, in, has been trying to do his entire career in one season. Um, shows that he's got a lot of potential, you know, like I said, young guy and comes from Madrid after we've given them so much to just take from us and take and take and take, you know, it looks like it's time for Spurs to cash in and get some. I read up on his contract. Some people was hating talking about that he has a buyback clause by Madrid, which I read that it's something of the sort like um, Madrid would get, would give 15 million on top of whatever his, fee was initially uh, for the buyback and after 2021 however the the caveat is that the player himself would have to choose to go uh, back to Madrid Madrid wouldn't be able to just kind of force their his hand and kind of take him without yeah. his permission or anything of the sort so I mean obviously it's Real Madrid but if he's in a good squad and we're on the up and up and have a good season and he's the starting left back on a promising team playing for Jose Mourinho. It seems like he would make up to stay, but you know, who knows? That's all up in the air, but, uh, uh I like the signing. I like the signings of Don Sergio and Don and Gareth. Yeah. We'll get to Gareth. <laughs> we'll get to Gareth. Spurs are going to be a bit more stronger defensively. That back four of he, Doherty, Alderweireld, and, Hopefully, Devinson Sanchez. They've had Eric yes. Dyer in there, and I hope, just hope, that they just say, hey, hey, you know, let's just put you on the bench for a little bit because, <laughs> you know, it's not – he's doing all right, but, you know, I'm hoping that they put Devinson Sanchez in there uh, sooner than later. So, he played He played uh, in a few matches. But, yeah, that would be uh, – Toby is uh, injured at the moment. So, hopefully, when he gets back, that back four would look a lot better than, you know, what we had last season for sure. Yes, sir. From Spurs, uh, giving him the number three number, without uh, telling Danny Rose, and they haven't yet formally gotten rid of him either. So just taking <laughs> jersey number and kind of giving it to the Hilon. Um, yeah, Danny Rose is gone. Yeah, he's been gone. I mean, if you peep the the Amazon documentary at all, the conversation that he's had with um, Mourinho, it seems like Mourinho has does not have him in his plans. Uh, it's been it's been it's been a. Uh, <laughs> It's been a hell of a week, but like I said, a week is no type of time when you got Gareth Bale on your team. We went from losing to Everton, almost, almost losing to Locomotive, Locomotive Plovdiv. You know, <laughs> the name starts with P and an L. That's crazy. 
and hey. things looking a little bit shaky for this for the team. Not you know the squad looking great, lackluster and effort. Didn't look like they were playing uh, a solid Mourinho defense. I mean, <clears throat> with Mourinho's teams, you get a solid defense, counterattacking, and not much possession of the ball, which can look boring. But if you're solid on the defense, you don't feel so bad about it. Spurs, on the other hand, have been looking lackluster defensively. Conceded goals to Everton. Conceded goal to Lokomotiv Plovdiv, with a team I might add had a lot of starters. A lot of first-team first guys um, came into the game against Southampton, conceded a goal right away. So not looking very solid defensively. Things have been looking very shaky for Spurs, not looking like they found their footing. And what, what does Daniel Levy do? The master negotiator he is, the shrewd guy he is, somehow uh, finds an opportunity not only to get a young aspiring talent in Rehilon, but to bring back a world football star, you know, a, a golf legend, a Welsh legend, a petty legend uh, in Gareth Bale and brings him back to the club that kind of made him. I kind of uh, picture Gareth Bale as sort of like my son who I saw grow up, grow up, become great, do great things. And, he, you know, he ultimately had to leave the small town he's from to go to college in Real Madrid and do big things, which he did. Won his cups, uh, led, you know, led Madrid for a lot of those cups, had some great goals. You know, in most recently, if you think about the um, Champions League final against uh, Liverpool, Madrid's last Champions League final, came on as a substitute and, you know, casually, very casually, scored a bicycle kick and then scored a goal from 40 yards and a half out. So, you know, a guy who's been a star when he's able to be fit and play, a guy who is Premier League built, and is undeniably a star, brings him right back to Spurs, comes to Spurs under Mourinho to link up with Kane and Heung-Min's son. Uh, just to me, changes the entire dynamic of the season. Like I said, last week, despair. This week, things are, looking, things are looking up and up, exactly. And so, uh, huge signing. Uh, somehow, some way, finessed his wages um, and requiring him if you want to call it a loan, it's expensive on a loan on, in terms of a regular loan, but in terms of the deal and getting it done, because Madrid wanted him out of there, Spurs wanted him in there and had the opportunity to do so. Uh, you know, um, the terms of the loan seem to be, you know, looks, looks like a bargain is what I'm trying to say uh, from Daniel Levy. So if there's one thing I know that Levy's done in the last 12 or so years of me being a supporter, uh, is that the guy knows, the guy's a negotiator, man. He makes things happen only on his terms. And it seems that he brought back a an incredible talent, a credible Premier League talent for considerably less than he's worth, if anything, for just this season. But it's just, it's, it's this season and Bale is here. And uh, as I think it's lifted the spirits of a lot of Spurs fans. We'll see what he does. We'll see how match he actually is. Still, he's 31 years old, not not an old head yet, but, you know, pretty much headed towards the twilight of his career. Um, but like I said, just two seasons ago, you can see when he's fit, he's dangerous. I might have a bit of bias just based on, you know, being a Spurs fan and watching him score goals willy-nilly on every team in their mama uh, off the left-hand side from 40 yards out, sometimes 35, you know, just doing it to do it for fun. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what he brings to Spurs um, and how that, I guess, affects the morale of the team. I, again, I'm, I like these signings. I think this, this is going to rejuvenate Spurs. They're going to definitely fight for a top four now. And if we get more performances like Spurs today and Manchester United yesterday, 
That's definitely going to happen. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. It does definitely uh, give Spurs a lot more hope in, in that sense of maybe battling for top four when at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the season and late in the summer, it looked as if that every team but Spurs was making strides to become better. Spurs were doing what they what Spurs usually do, and that's um, sign players that may not make an immediate impact, might improve the team slightly, but this kind of is a, a bit of a game changer in that, you know, a team that already can toot like a, a very good attack, great attacking players, it just kind of adds, puts them on a bit of a different level on the attacking front, which in terms will take the burden off a few, you know, a few people, one of them being Harry Kane for sure. Um, you know, the, the burden of being the most chased player by the defense, it'll take a bunch of burden off of him because you've got a flying Welshman over there with a mean left foot, you know, ready to put it wherever he wants. I think it also takes some pressure off of the defense who hopefully will get better as the season goes on because of the Jose Mourinho way. But you can expect some goals to come with a guy like Gareth Bale lined up with Harry Kane and Hingling's son. And uh, I think it's good for everybody except Eric Lamela, who just broke his way into the first team, it seems, and was getting constant minutes, just played today and made an impact. But the wings are filling up very quickly with Bergvine, Lucas Moore. Eric Lamela looks like he might be pissed out of luck, might get thrown down the ladder again with Gareth Bale coming in. So excited, excited. I'm going to say, you know, Bale coming in already makes him the top five player in the Premier League. Yeah, I said it. Um, and y'all can debate it if you want, but I think he's already coming into the Premier League. If he's healthy a month from now, he did catch an injury while playing uh, international football. So we'll be out for at least four weeks. But when he comes back and he's match fit, um, I think Bale is going to be his top five in the Premier League already. I might even go as far as to say top three, but let me not. Let me just chill. Let me relax. Yeah, let's actually have him see minutes before we get into top three. Yeah, let, let, me, let me relax. Let me relax. But, you know. So happy that he's there, if anything, for the season. I'm excited. I'm ready to see some uh, outside-the-box goals. You know, the, the world record holder of uh, most outside-the-box goals. I just read that recently, I guess. I can double-check it to make sure I'm right. But, yeah, happy to see Bell back. Another signing in the Prem, Diego Jota from Wolves going over to Liverpool. How do we rate that? Oh, I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a great signing from Liverpool. Liverpool is at the point now where – you know, champions of uh, Europe the season before, champions of England this past season. Um, you know, great squad defensively in the midfield. Of course, on the attack with Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, Roberto Firmino, and company. If anything, I, I, they were sort of on the Bayern Munich uh, front where if they wanted to compete for Champions League again next season, obviously took an L uh, to, to Simeone's men um, and seemed lackluster. We noted a few times without the boy uh, Jordan Henderson, who I'm happy to give some shit to because I'm like, what do you bring to the table? But last season, clearly we found out that he brought a lot more than I thought. Uh, a bit of leadership, you know, a bit of command in the midfield, pushing the team in the right direction as far as energy, mindset, and, you know, the all-around game face. But clearly he's a big man. Clearly he's somebody who's important to the squad. And he's also somebody who can't stay healthy, it seems, sometimes. He'd be having his little stiff leg shit that they were talking about. So uh, I think Liverpool bolstered the squad in all the right ways, just like how they should have done. Right. You know, not, didn't need a blockbuster signing. Didn't need to sign Lionel Messi or anything like that. You know, like let's be honest, Thiago is a low-key blockbuster signing. Yeah, a, a very solid midfielder. Just came off a Champions League win. Plays very solid football. Commands the midfield. We saw it today. Has high energy. Kind of, you can almost consider him a box-to-box type of guy. 
didn't have Liverpool didn't have to go out and try to get Lionel Messi for 500 million pounds like some other clubs we know uh, mm. in the league uh, or or do what Chelsea did and buy 17,000 players or even what United did or what Spurs are doing in that front. So they just needed a few key pieces to bolster their team and went ahead and grabbed Thiago Alcantara and Jota, who had a hell of a season last season with Wolves, you know, being one of the pivotal players on that squad alongside Raul Jimenez uh, and, of course, Adama. Tank Traore. Yeah, a.k.a. Adama, yeah, the tank. Schwarzenegger Traore, you know, um, so really good signing for Liverpool. I mean, there's one thing I do got to call BS about real quick. My guy, Klopp, was over here talking a little heat, a little smack to uh, Frank Lampard saying, oh, we're not a big club. We're not spending money. We can't do that like some other guys, we know. And then in two weeks, went ahead and busted out a cool 70 million for two players. Like, where'd it come from, my guy? Like, you know, where that came from. So, and I got to call some BS on that there. My clock, my guy, you, you over here sneak dissing, not saying Frank Lampard's name, and then you're going ahead and doing exactly what it is you sneak dissing with your big ass teeth. Come on, my guy. That's the BS I got to call. But good signing by Liverpool. They look even better than before. You know, they're going to be uh, just as big of a threat as they were last season. You saw what they did to Chelsea. Came and put that work. Clean sheet. I mean, most of it was Kepa's fault. <clears throat> Shout out to Sadio Mane, a.k.a. Stephen A. Smith. They look good. They look very good. They look very good. So One more signing that I that caught my attention. And I brought this up, I think, last night or today. Wolves spending the hotel money real quick. They've got Nelson Semedo from Barcelona. Yeah, and another big signing by Wolves. I, I was having a conversation off my one of the homies, and it was like, is every like every team is really trying to make top four this season. Everybody making the moves that they should be making in order to get further. Everton we spoke about, they look incredible. Carlo Ancelotti got them looking great. Calvert-Lewin scoring a hat-trick here. James Rodriguez opening his account. But Wolves making the right signing, even though they just lost Hota, said, all right, Hota, see you later. Go ahead, Semedo from Barcelona, who's somebody I incorrectly predicted would stay at Barca because he was a big piece. He's still pretty young and had a decent season compared to you know everybody else on that squad. Thought he'd stay. Ended up at Wolves. Nuno, you know, big move, good move. They lost Doherty, replaced him with a guy who's more athletic, you know, maybe less technical, but much more athletic. Uh, maybe even more technical, to be honest. So all around good signing. Lost a piece, lost two pieces and brought back a really good one. So good on them. And I think they'll be competing like just like they did last season alongside Everton this year, who might replace Sheffield United. Very interesting all over the Premier League. A lot of good signings, good pickups, a lot of good additions to teams. And everybody's bolstering, you know. Um, I got to appreciate it for what it is. It'll make the Premier League just as entertaining. It won't be like last year, hopefully, where Liverpool ran away by January. But um, it'll be quite the season, I think. Even then, top four, the race for that will be entertaining. Absolutely. All are just deciding that... I found amazing. And the Bale headline pretty much. Bale and Alcantara stole headlines this week in the transfer front. <laughs> so, before we call it a night, we do have... I, I say it's a big match, even though it might not turn out that way. As we mentioned earlier in the pod, the UEFA Super Cup is on Thursday Bayern Munich, the champions of Europe, and the Europa League winners, Sevilla. 
This is actually Sevilla's first competitive match since winning the Europa League title. On the very first episode, you were quoted as saying, Byron would win this one 5 nothing. Do you stand by that? <laughs> I might have to push that 5 to 7. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm over here looking like thinking 5 no might not be enough at this point. Yeah, I got, I got Munich winning very soundly. They over here giving teams goals like it's Christmas gifts. Like, here you go. Um, and they look better than ever. Like, look like they didn't, they didn't miss a step. Credit to Sevilla. You know, if the competition is Europa League, then they're winning. But this isn't that. Um, and Bayern Munich is a different monster at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I got Sevilla getting their ass handed to them. 6-0, 7-0. I'm not going to go as far as eight. It's a little bit disrespectful, but well, how about yourself? What do you think? For the sake of the argument, I will say Sevilla wins. Oh, I like that. I like, I like that. I'm kidding, of course. I think Bayern will win, but... <laughs> Listen, we can make it interesting. I like this. <laughs> but the way Bayern has been playing, the way Sevilla would make it interesting is if they score. Do you think, do you think they will, in all honesty? I think they in will. In honesty, I think they'll score one, at least. I think they will too. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna knock them and make it look like it's gonna be a shocker game, you know. It's definitely not gonna be like that. We're talking about Sevilla. Sevilla is a strong team, not yeah, as strong to, enough to take out Bayern. Yeah. But strong enough to probably end the first half scoreless, and, or at least get a goal uh, in response to. Because I mean, you know, even we scored against Bayern, and Sevilla, in all respect, looked better than we did last season. So, hopefully, um, I think Sevilla. Like, I agree. I think 7 0 is a little disrespectful. I think Sevilla might get a goal. But I think for the sake of the argument, I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick to my pick. I'm going 6 0 to Bayern Munich, <clears throat> the Monstars. I'm going 3 1 Bayern Munich. Okay, the more realistic uh, pick. I would love to see Sevilla win this somehow, but I know that's not going to happen. We'll see. Uh, again, we'll see. The ball is round for a reason. Something my good friend Carl says. Um, shots to Carl. Yeah. So. There's something we did say earlier that we would talk about. Let's talk about it. Um, are we talking about... Oh, yes. We, this is joint bullshit. This is the joint bullshit hour. NBC Sports. You know, you had, you had us with everything. The punditry was good. Analysis, good. Commentating was good. You had Rebecca Lowe. Easy on the eyes. You know, everything was nice. I had it locked. You know, granted, the NBC gold was a little bit of a stretch, but it's all good. I'll do, I'll do what it do to do what it do. But then, last season, you had me under the impression that, you know, you threw in this new NBC stream, uh, Peacock, as they call it. I think you might have heard of it, right? The infamous Peacock. Over the quarantine, I remember they gave us a little bit of a free trial, if you will, sprinkled it in. Uh, one day, did, uh, had every game in the Premier League on there for free. I'm like, this is going to be pretty interesting. If this is what the Premier League will look like next season, all games, all times, on this Peacock app, then I have nothing to complain about. Fast forward, the new season begins. You're giving me one game a week on Peacock. <laughs> Listen, there's 20 teams in the Prem. That means it should be 10 games a week, right? Unless there's something going on, bar be an FA Cup or a postponement due to some sort of cup, this, that, and the third. But I'm only seeing one game on NBC Sports, and won maybe two games on Peacock. Oh, what's going on? You know, so. Well, in the week that just passed, everyone had a full slate of Premier League games. All but two were on Peacock. 
Arsenal West Ham, Leicester Burnley were on regular TV, NBCSN. Who wants to see, with all due respect, Leicester versus Burnley on the same day Liverpool and Chelsea are going at it? Yeah, just throw me, just throw me to the wolves, a.k.a. Peacock. Gotta now, I'm me. seeing people say NBC have other sporting commitments like the U.S. Open golf and Notre Dame football. Remember when they put games on CNBC and USA? Yeah, and yeah, USA, True TV, they had everything. You know, and stuff. Why don't you do that again? If, if Notre Dame is playing and you have the U.S. Open and Le Tour de France. Oh, not the, the Tour de France. God damn it. <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> Shout out to that Colombian who won it last year, doing it for Latin America. Mm-hmm. But if you have all those events going on at once, NBC has a plethora of properties. Yeah, to park their TV and their soccer on. Mm-hmm. I mean, they even had, like, the final match day where every team plays at the same time. Right. Back, like, in 2010, 2011, 2012. They would air it on every NBC network. You could watch every game everywhere. NBC, NBCSN, USA, CNBC, MSNBC, Olympic Channel, all that. I don't even think we're going to get that luxury this year. Yeah, I mean, so um, I'm over here thinking, you know, you guys had us holding us down, NBC. I had nothing but good things to say about y'all. And now you guys went ahead and fumbled the bag, I got to say. Fix it. Fix it, NBC. You're absolutely right. NBC shouldn't be putting all the big games behind the paywall that is Peacock. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't like it. I, I, ugh. It just gives a bad taste in my mouth. Like, at least when ESPN has the rights to Serie A and the Bundesliga, they're being open about, oh, everything's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. And furthermore, there's a lot more to offer on ESPN Plus than there is on Peacock. Like, if I wanted to watch the Eredivisie, I could do that. Can't do that on on no goddamn Peacock. And plus, I don't even like Jimmy Fallon. So why would I want to watch Peacock? Come on now. Um, But yeah, I could rant on and on and on, but... To save both of us time, I'm going to go ahead and sign us out. So, um, yeah. Whatever you do, if you find your streams via a illegitimate route or Peacock, I hope you definitely enjoy your Premier League. You enjoy all the football that comes this week. That Super Cup, definitely tune into that. He is LV. I am Ronnie, we are the Football Misfits, and we will see you next week.